0: Hello, I'm Phil Svitek, 360 Creative Coach, and welcome to my vlog where it's both my mission and my pleasure to highlight my creative journey in hopes of inspiring you, giving you specific takeaway. All that way, your journey can be at least a little bit easier. Now, there's a wonderful song called What a Life. And I, I got turned on to it thanks to the movie Another Round. And truly, What a Life. It really is. This past week has been a kaleidoscope, and that's quickly becoming a favorite word of mine of just activity and, and, and things of that nature, and lots of reflection as well as progress on projects, so I'll talk about all of that, but before I fully dive into things, I would like to take the opportunity to invite you to subscribe if you haven't already, that way you get all the various lessons and episodes that I put out right when I put them out. Thank you if you just did, and thank you if you already were. It truly does mean a lot to me, as I hope it does to you. So, uh, number one, a lot of birthdays last week. Um, birthdays seem to be quite a theme. Uh, first and foremost, it was my mom's birthday, uh, so uh, I didn't get a chance to spend it with her. She's actually over in Slovakia for uh, my cousin's wedding, so she's over there, and um, but either way, she lives in uh, Seattle, so um, you know we wouldn't have gotten a chance to spend it together. But um, still, it's in that sense it's great that she's with family and you know being able to celebrate there. So um, that's exciting. And then what I didn't know was uh, Napoleon Taval, who is a lead actor in my first movie called Love Market. He actually shares the same birthday as my mom, which is quite. Uh, Quite something, right? Um, how serendipitous. Um, another one of my friends had a birthday Friday, um, and then I also filmed uh, or recorded rather this big episode um, for for a show that I work on um, for someone for their birthday, like a milestone birthday, and I can't share uh, those things yet, but you know it being a milestone birthday. Um, there was a lot of reflection, and it was a very special episode, and uh, it, it seemed emblematic of the rest of the week, which was, as I said, all about progress and um, reflecting and things of that nature. And so it was a very fun episode, and um, it'll come out soon enough, um, and I'll announce it um, when it does, but uh, yeah, just, uh just made me really kind of think a lot about it, and You know, taking a quick step back, it was interesting. Speaking of uh, Napoleon, uh, we were set to film uh, a little scene with him and Veronica, who's in my uh, now second movie called A Bogota Trip. And, you know, this is for a fun, short film project that I'm working on. And uh, this happened to be on the day of my mom's birthday. And since he shares the same birthday as my mom, Uh, you know obviously he was there and it it was just so fun to be able to work with him and um again and and have the two of them work together and it being his birthday um just felt really special that this is what he chose to do on his birthday and um it's reminiscent of me in that way Uh, you know oftentimes like for my birthday i really just want to do what i love (laughs) and most of the time that's just be creative and work on stuff right so um There was that aspect of it. And as I said, this was uh, Napoleon and Veronica's first time meeting. Uh, You know, he had seen her when we premiered at Marina Del Rey Film Festival. Uh, So he saw her act. Um, Unfortunately, I've kind of talked about this in the past, but with with Love Market, my first movie, because of the pandemic, we never got a chance to uh, screen it. Uh, in a theater with people, right? So we never had that opportunity, um, and you know, it sucks in the sense that you know, I wanted that special moment for the cast and crew that worked so hard to make this movie, right? And it's a shame that we never got that. Um, and still to this day, like, it's not like a regret, but I feel bad about it. And obviously, I, I can't control it, and no one's upset with me over that, but. Nonetheless, it's just, you know, I wish uh, we could get that. But anyway, uh, still, it was just fun to bring, like, you know, someone who I worked with in movie number one uh, with someone who I worked with in movie number two. And now, now as I'm, like, thinking about it, you know, I knew Napoleon, but I never worked with him uh, in in that sort of way. Like, I knew him more as just, just a, a, a friend, right? And so it was fun to work with him on my first movie. And then Veronica um, was introduced to me because I was looking for someone to fill a spot on my second film, and you know, through Crystal McLaughlin, she recommended her, and then we became friends. so um, it was fun to I call them the newbies, right the newbies of my creative life for them to be able to interact and, and, and work together it was a It was a fun moment, and that's what makes. What I do special for me is the ability to bring people who I think are talented together to to meet and collaborate and, you know, just kind of ultimately for me witnessing the spark that comes from it. Uh, So it was a real blast, you know, and, you know, part of why I say that it was a very reflective week was um, I... Worked on an episode where the guest was um, Rabbi Steve Letter. And this was for uh, Pretty Smart, an episode of Pretty Smart, which is a podcast that, uh, that I um, help with. And, you know, Steve, it's interesting, like with the podcast that I work on, there's a crossover of guests. Um, and so I'd worked with Steve Letter before on a different show called Pulling the Thread. And very smart person. And what I love is that each episode, even though the guest ends up being the same for, you know, sometimes, each episode is vastly different. And you get something new just because of the dynamic of the host and the guest, um, as well as, like, the the questions that the host asks and so forth. And, you know, uh, this rabbi, Rabbi Steve, You know, right now, he's been doing a lot of reflecting upon death and kind of teaching us how to, I mean, he's much more eloquent than I, but like, in a sense, like, die gracefully or think about death uh, so that way we can die gracefully because we all will die. But I think part of it is we, we extract it to think everybody dies, but we don't consider our mortality. And, you know, a big part of that episode, I mean, there's so many parts, but... I think a core thing that Danielle actually posted about today, um, a couple of expert excerpts from it, is this idea that you have to work backwards, right? So, like, when you think about the legacy, when you think about your eulogy, you know, you're, you're writing that right here, right now is the takeaway. And so, you know, thinking about what, what do you want your final sort of legacy to be and then working backwards from that. And that's why for me, thinking about Napoleon working on his birthday, being creative, and like, you know, it being sort of something that I do, like, yeah, for me, yes, I want to leave behind a body of work, for sure, but to me, it's just the aspect of getting to create and connect with the people that I work with, right? And you know, by extension, put out something worthwhile into the world. And in a day and age where we deduce content down to just like, okay, consume, 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 you know, the stuff that I want to create. Yeah, I'll argue, I try to have a little bit meaning. I try to subvert and, and, you know, add something rather than just like, okay, here's just another thing to, to consume and pass time with, right? But even if that, you know, as pretentious as that may seem, even if that's not the case, just the ability to collaborate and enjoy time with people that I love and respect, yeah, is something that I want as part of my legacy, right? And so that was sort of Fun to think about in that way. Now, if I haven't made it clear, I strongly encourage you to check out, you know, this episode. And by the way, you know, anything that I talk about really draws from a wealth of all these incredible thinkers. You know, from books, from movies, documentaries, uh, music, you know, poetry, you know, social media, podcasts. All this stuff, right, and so it is my sincere hope that like i 'm just a vehicle to introduce you to you know these brilliant people, and you kind of go and are able to deep dive um, the, the the thinking that is there another brilliant mind that uh, that was prominent in my my thinking and you know kind of what was happening last week was uh, Dr. Gabor Mate and very famous psychologist, um, if you will. Uh, just you know, just studying trauma and addiction, and and just has a very thoughtful and empathetic way of approaching you know those topics. And you know now. He, I one of the nice parts is he, he's really building upon what, to me, uh, Alice Miller in her The Body Never Lies book really starts. And what I mean by that is, you know, we think of trauma and disease as separate of us, but like, you know, the fact that, you know, you, you can feel stress, right? It's an emo- We can think of it as an emotion, but it's also a physical thing, right? And... Trauma in that way is a physical thing. You must release it. Otherwise, you know, it becomes disease as a process. And, you know, this trauma within your body processes itself in your body in a negative way and becomes the disease, right? And it's interesting enough because I was talking about this with my friend uh, Jackie Borowski and she was talking to me about the, the, the series The Nick, which is about this doctor, um, I believe in the nineteen twenties. And you know, she was telling me how watching that show, looking back on it, how you know antiquated our medicine seemed back in the twenties. And I sort of joked and I was like, well, in some sense, like I I, I consider our overall methods of, of science and More specifically, like the medical field, very antiquated in that way because, you know, rather than at, when, when someone comes in to a doctor's visit, we never ask them how they're feeling. And we should because that offers a window into what's going on with them. You know, I call myself a 360 creative coach because I believe as an artist you know, you need to see the world, you need to observe the world. Um, And not only that, you know, a a big component is, as if you want to succeed as an artist, you need the skill set, yes, but you also need the mental fortitude to be able to succeed. So it's a combination of those two things, rather than just like the single like, okay, you know, tactic, tactic, tactic. But that sort of philosophy extends for me into everything, right? And and I see a lot of the interconnectivity of the world, and think we should see try to, un, you know. It, it'll be very difficult to understand it fully in that way, but to know that that it exists, and you could call it determinism. I don't know, but yeah, I think. Things are far more connected than we give it credit for. And certainly the pandemic has really reinforced that for me, where it becomes like a butterfly effect of, I mean, supply chain. You know, that's a term many of us, certainly not I, had heard before. And now, like, it's just become part of our vernacular. And it's like, oh, well... What's up with the supply chain? Well, this country, they're not doing so well because of COVID and and, 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 then that that reflects and therefore we can't get toilet paper or something like that, right? Because it's it's all interconnected. But I digress. The point being that when I come, you know, his his big thing now was to prove through scientific evidence that disease is a process. Uh, And... You know that's why I'm a big advocate, as I said, of 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 a 360 approach to being a creative. You know, because if you don't maintain your health both physically and mentally, and if you want to lump spiritually into it, um, I would put that as part of the mental. But you know, different strokes for different folks. It it is important to make sure. You are healthy. And that's why I try to introduce these ideas. You know, that's why I even talked about Doctor uh, Rabbi Steve Letter. Because to me, it's all one and the same. It all matters. And it's all things, ultimately, that you can then draw upon in your art. So. Damn, I just threw a lot at you, didn't I? <laughs> so. You know, process that as you will. Uh, as far as the creative side, you know, like in terms of the actual output, uh, a lot of things dealt with writing last week. So, you know, I was, I've been back in writing and slowly progressing um, in that way and getting into the routine of it all now that, you know, one project comes to an end. And I can, you know, fully dive in. And so, simultaneously, I'm working on my second novel as well as this, um, this new idea for a movie. And so, you know, in the in mornings, I've been, you know, I'll write for, um, I'll try to hit like a thousand words with the novel. And then I'll, you know, work on the, the movie. And you know, overall, really good progress. And the fun part to you know, I was making good progress, and then there's a a ghostwriter that I'm working on for a nonfiction book, and this is this is basically chronicling how I made my first movie, Love Market, to extract lessons. Uh, to be able to, you know, for aspiring filmmakers. And so, you know, that kind of uh, towards the end of the week spiraled where now all of a sudden that overtook um, my time. Which sounds interesting because, you know, it's like I have a ghostwriter, so why is it taking up my time and uh, from this other writing? Well, here's the fun part. Um, this is why I love collaborating with people because it brings out new things. And so, what I had done a while ago was I dictated, you know, just like this, each chapter and then had it transcribed. And so, you know, now with this ghostwriter, he went through all the chapters, he saw Love Market, and, you know, now he's kind of finessing of, okay, what's this book gonna be like? And, you know, the fun part is he's really identifying, okay, the notion that this, what, what, what the thesis of this book essentially is, is that you can make high-value art or high-production-quality art in terms of movies but for cheap. And it doesn't have to just be one location, right? All these other, you know, teachings as far as low-budget production goes always say, you know, limit it to one location um, and, you know, just just do that, right? And it's like, why? why? Why is that? I mean, it works. I'm not saying it doesn't. But why is that the only path? And with two movies that I've done, I've proven that doesn't have to be the path. You know, I remember speaking with somebody about my second movie, A Bogota Trip. And they were like, oh, you know, uh, how many locations did you film in? I was like, you know... I don't have the number off the top of my head um, exactly, but let's just say probably maybe maybe around 90. I'm like, what? 90 look. I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, we basically went all over Bogota and you know, all that to, to make this movie. And not to mention the interiors and so forth, right? Like I wanted it, I didn't want it to just be this isolated movie. I wanted it to feel expansive. And yeah, I mean, people aren't used to that number. Um, and so, you know, I said, yeah, part of it was like a lot of it is also done through montage and stuff like that. But all the more reason, I mean, you're going to a location just to get like a two, two to three second shot at most. You know, for a little sequence. So it's possible to, to have something, have a lot of production value, but made for cheap. And that's what the book aims to do. And But, but that was something that, you know, the ghostwriter was able to draw out of me be, by reading what I had wrote and, and kind of seeing stuff that I failed to see, right? You know, he gave me a new perspective. And the fun part also is, and the reason why it, you know, it, it started to kind of take more take up more time in this week was because there's a set of questions that that he has that in order for him to progress, I need to answer. And that was fun for me, right? Um, you know, it was like a series of, let's say 10 or so questions. And just kind of, at first, you know, it, it was like, okay, let me just answer as quickly as possible so I can get back to him. And then it quickly spiraled into like, I'm writing paragraph upon paragraph and expanding all this. And uh, so that way, you know, he has a sense of my inner thoughts and feelings about, you know, making that initial movie and so forth. And he can bring that to life through his words in in this book even further um, based off of what I had already written, you know. And just, you know, it it was also fascinating to see what he picked out from this. Because I had done this like a year and a half ago at this point, maybe two and just kind of it was on the back burner, but now finally I'm like, okay, let's let's go make this nonfiction book. And you know, just some of the stuff that that's in there, like it's all very rough, but but there's a diamond in the rough there, you know. And I talked about like making a movie is really a you know like a course in miracles, where you just have to, you know if you have a good energy about it and become solution-oriented and surround yourself with the right people, you can make miracles. And in many ways, you know, anyone who knows and has created something meaningful, I imagine, like, any, like think about any of your work. It's many times a miracle just to pull it off. Forget the quality, just to pull it off, right? And so that's what this book... In part aims to be you know just just both inspiration specifics and all that just just to give a overwhelming wealth of information right so that's the hope so I'm excited to also be working out the the, the thing of it is too you know a lot of this is going to be front loaded for me so once once I answer all these questions, then it becomes much easier process where, you know, uh, he's able to, Ghostwriter, you know, go off and write and, you know, then every now and then, you know, check in with me, I revise the chapters and so forth. So it'll be a process, but, you know, um, like with anything, you gotta sort of front load it and put in, like for me, I'm, I'm, I'm big on putting in the work up front to make sure everyone's on the same page because it'll quicken the runway to completion and it'll make the product that much better. So, um, so there was that. And then also another big journey as far as writing that came to a close was the update on my first nonfiction book, Master Mental Fortitude. So you know, I'd come up with this book in 2019, in October of 2019, But after the pandemic, I really kind of looked at the book and I was like, okay, you know, I still believe in everything that's here, but I think we can update it. I think um, we can add more value. You know, I even substituted some chapters for newer ideas that I had that, that, that I think benefit more. And so I really, you know, took the time to finesse it and really like went through everything, revised each chapter, you know, cl- clarified stuff um, and so forth. And along with, you know, the editor of that book, and Bulk, we've been working essentially for I think at least a year at this point, you know, to really update things, you know, even include m- more graphics, provides, um, like, it's, it's an exercise book, right? So, at, you know, each thing presents, each chapter presents a lesson, how it applies to you, and then gives you an exercise to apply that lesson to your life. So it's an exercise book. And, you know, we, we spent a lot of time just finessing the hell out of it and making sure that, you know, it was as good as it could be. And I'm, I'm pleased to say it is now out and available, So the link is in the description, and I think, you know, it's 35 lessons that I think will really benefit you. Certainly, they've benefited me in all that I do, and uh, the friends that have read the lessons, you know, they benefit from it. Uh, You know, these are all based on lessons that I put out as podcasts, so I know they work in that sense because the people that have heard those lessons gravitate towards them and and, and, and praise them. So it's been really wonderful. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited that that is crossed off. You know, the, the checklist that is done is out in the world. Uh, very pleased with it, and and mostly less about like just having it off the plate, but knowing that now that it is out in the world, it can be of use to people right that's 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 why i wrote it that's why i updated it right and spent such a long time doing so was to bring that value the other thing that you know as far as writing was part of last week what you know i i talked with john cummerford who's a writing collaborator of mine and i was like listen emerson college is doing this pitch fest they do it every year and You know, I've had a chance to observe a few of them, and they are, you know, a lot of great people pitch. But I was like, what if, you know, I know it it, it potentially takes some time away from what I'm working on, but I also think it could be beneficial. What if I took the movie that I'm writing right now and made a pitch for it? And the way that works is it's a 90-second pitch, And you present it to a panel of judges and audience members. And, you know, then they vote. But to me, it really was just the exercise of, okay, how do I convey this idea in 90 seconds? And it's a movie that, you know, I know I'm going to make. And most of the stuff that I do so far has been self-financed. And I don't really, you know, haven't yet pitched in terms of like a studio and so forth. But at the same time, I know there's going to be a crowdfund component to it. Um, And, you know, I have written grants and so forth. So I was like, okay, this will be good practice to just do that because I can, you know, recycle this for future use and, and, you know, altering it a little bit. And, And one of the things through this, just 90 seconds, you would think is quite a lot of time. But to convey everything that you really need to convey within a pitch, it's not a lot. You need to be clear, right? You don't want to confuse people. You need to hook them, right? You need to make it exciting. But you also don't have a lot of time to do that. So you need to make it like very quick and, and get to it right away. So, so you don't have time to over explain you but you also need to be you don't want to just like have a log line you want to give them enough details as far as you know who the characters are the setting the tone you know is it a movie is it a limited series is it uh, what kind of genre is it all these things you need to convey and that's both through you know, being direct, but also word choice and all that stuff, right? It's a lot of masters to serve in a short amount of time. And you don't really fully realize it until you actually start writing and doing it. Now, you know, you'd be like me. Like, for me, the first step was, all right, let me just start with a blank page and write what I think works. Okay, cool. I know it's short, so we'll do it. Because I, I looked up, I was like, you know, 90 seconds, how many, uh, what does that amount to in terms of words? And it was like around 230. I'm like, okay, that's not a lot of words at all. But I started, and then I had like a literally a, a page, right? And then I tied myself reading it in a way that that was natural, right? Where it had not pauses, but... It, it didn't go too fast. It wasn't like, this movie is about, you know, cowboys in the West and, you know, they kill the bad guys and then they do this and then they do that, blah, 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 right? I wanted, you obviously, when you present, you want to have a connection with people and emphasize certain things and speed up at other times and so forth, right? You, it needs to be like just how we speak. And it ended up being two minutes. I was like, okay. So that means I have to cut 30 seconds. Now, again, the simple thing could be, okay, cut a couple of things and then just speed up up how I talk. But it's not going to work. Not for me. Uh, Because, as I said, part of what you want is clarity. So if all of a sudden I'm I'm talking really fast, then the audience isn't able to follow along. You don't want that. So, you know, I, I wrote a first draft for the two minutes. I was like, okay, let me, you know, sleep on it, came back to it, revised a couple of things. And, you know, it's the, the the pitch fest won't be for, like, at least a month. And so it gives me plenty of time. But, uh but yeah, you know, just, just working on it. You know, I definitely don't want to just procrastinate and all of a sudden, you know, a day before just write something and, and wing it. You know, I want to have these words. And, I mean, I, I'm sure I'll be tinkering with it right up until the final moment. But part of it is... I don't want to have cue cards and, you know, this isn't like one of those where there's a prompter. No, you know, it needs to be recited essentially from heart. And then the other thing, when you do a pitch, right, there's always going to be follow-up questions. And so you need to be ready for those. Now, do you know what they will be? You can kind of anticipate the general ones, sure. But, you know, there's going to be something that catches you off guard. And so knowing your story inside and out and being able to convey that. Is another component of it, right? So it's not just about the, the actual ninety second pitch; it's about the follow up to to it as well. So uh, a lot of a lot of writing <laughs> last week, um, in various forms, right? You know, the script, the novel, the the, the nonfiction revisions to "Master Mental Fortitude," you know, which is an exercise book. You know, uh, the outlining for lack of a better term, you know, the, the film book, and now writing a pitch. And so, you know, also, like, in general, right, writing is a big component of what we do. Even if you're not a writer, if you don't even consider yourself a writer, even if you don't consider yourself creative, like, writing is always going to be a part of what you do. Just just even, like, from a business standpoint, you know, certainly for, like, people who people who are hiring, you know, they'll look at emails and they'll assess, like, how is this person writing? Did they communicate with you via text. How are they texting? Because these will all be future forms of communication should you be hired. And they want to make sure that they understand the person, you know, and and so forth, right? So writing is a big, big part. And it seeps into... Various things, you know? Um, like if you're applying for a grant, even if you're a painter, okay? You know, how you, how you going to talk about your work? All that stuff, very important. So, on Thursday night, and this is shifting gears, on Thursday night, I had a chance to see uh, my friend Chris Rosinski's movie, northern shade. Now, this is a person that went to high school with me. I think he was one grade above me. Maybe two. I think just one. And, you know, he took a video production class and um, we never, like, worked together. But, you know, through our teacher, we got to know each other and so forth. And he was going to Emerson College. And then he kind of became, like, my vehicle for learning more about Emerson and, and being inspired to go there. So this is someone that, um, you know, we go way back in terms of knowing each other. And, you know, we haven't really seen each other since kind of college really. And it's not like, again, we weren't ever that close um, just because we, we ran in different circles. I think we, we always had a respect for each other, but just we're on two separate paths. And so this is his debut feature. Um, I remember getting an email about it a while ago when they were raising finishing funds, and I was like, Yeah, of course, I'll, I'll donate. And to see the culmination of, you know, knowing him from high school to now seeing his movie at a film festival and, you know, the movie that it was, it was, it was a great movie, really, really well done, and it was Sean Connecticut. You know where we grew up, so just very proud of him, right? Um, and there's not really much beyond that there, but but again, just kind of if nothing else, just seeing the awe of life, being inspired by the things around you, as I talked about Rabbi Steve Letter, the idea of you know what what values do you want to Be remembered for um, at the end of your life, and then essentially working backwards through there. And the idea that I was there to support my friends—I want that to be a legacy that I leave behind, and I do it genuinely. And so it was awesome to see, you know, this work of art. And I'm very proud of him, and it was very well received. Um, It's not their first time screening it, uh, but uh, but yeah, it was just—it was my first time watching it. (laughs) That was great. So, yeah, that's that's that. Something that I want to talk about as far as film festivals go. So, this is primarily geared towards filmmakers. But something that was always kind of interesting for me to learn, especially this time around, was the the looseness around world premiere. I was talking with a friend of mine who's done a lot of movies, and he was like, listen, if a film festival recalls you, the word exclusive is a legal term. The word word premiere, I don't know, that's two words, but I mean, you know, hyphenated to one. We'll go with that. The word word world premiere is a marketing term. So exclusivity is a legal term. World premiere is a marketing term. And, you know, he was talking with me and he was like, listen, you know, the festivals that you've been a part of, they were local, right? It, they they certainly weren't marketed to the rest of the world. The world didn't like come out and you know specifically come for this. Like it's not like Con where people gather from all over the world and you know see your movie in that way. Like it was a local screening. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. And it's been interesting to sort of learn that because you know I have observed other filmmakers have what essentially would be like multiple world premieres i'm like what you know and part of it is (sighs) you know there was a side of me like okay people are just straight up lying and so forth and it's like you know that's just the way it is and also yeah i mean it's just more of a marketing term and the other unless until it fully gets called a world premiere by you it's not really a world premiere. So it's just wildly fascinating in that way um, to learn and also, you know, kind of reflect upon because I think, for me, after we played the Marina Del Rey Film Festival, I don't know, maybe I was just too honest with a couple of film festivals, and I, and I look back on it and I'm like, oh, maybe we didn't get in because wouldn't have a world premiere status you know and and if we did would that have changed things and there's no real way to know but now with um you know we still have like the, the bulk of the festivals that we still are um that we still have submitted to we're still awaiting a response you know um i've Maintain that, yeah, okay, we still have a world premiere status, and hopefully, it uh, it works. You know, we'll see. But also, part of my strategy now has also been to really um, get to know filmmakers and films that have played in the past, and kind of be like, oh, you know, I think you know, based on based on your history, I think this movie would play excellent because uh, you know, it fits these. Criteria that you seem to historically look for. And also, you know, uh, X, Y, and Z filmmaker friend played at that festival. They had a great time. Um, they recommended you and so forth. So just adding personalization to the whole process as opposed to just being, you know, another number in the pile. So that's big for me. Um, so yeah, I think... You know, that's, that's, that's really sort of kind of what I've been thinking about. Um, the other sort of thing that popped into my mind last week as I reflected, as I said, like it's been a kaleidoscope of just thoughts and things, was what would be my next career move, right? Um, because I'm very happy with what I'm doing. But it was, you know, I think people ask just, hey, do you want to, you know, would you make movies full-time and stuff like that? And, and if the opportunity arose, yeah, sure, I would. But even beyond that, you know, until there's a feasible lifestyle for me, you know, in the sense that it makes me money and I can support myself with it full-time, I was like, you know what? I think, if anything when I'm ready, the next thing would be teaching filmmaking at like a, you know, college or wherever. Because I love teaching, right? I mean, that's why I'm doing this, because I love sharing knowledge and having it be a benefit to people. And yeah, I think that would be awesome, right? So yeah, I don't know, I just kind of thought about that and that, that seems to fit. Not that I'm actively like pursuing that, but you know maybe in the next five years, like that'll be the thing. So we'll see. As far as you know, this upcoming week, um, we're filming uh, the bulk of this short film that I'm working on. You know, a major major component of it. Um, we're gonna film that Friday. So very much looking forward to that. Also, um, this, this week I've told myself I'm going to round out and finish off all the de- deliverables for a Bogota trip um, and get those over to the distributor and finally get that off my plate so then I can you know, go to full-time on writing these new projects. So having a Bogota trip off my plate, having a master mental fortitude off my plate, um, I can focus on all these other exciting new projects. So very much looking forward to that. And by the way, as I round this out, this episode out, I do want to mention that there's still time until October 2nd to watch a Bogota trip as part of the Liftoff Global Film Festival. So the link for that is tinyurl.com slash movie. That'll take you to a checkout page. The checkout page is for the film festival itself. It's $12 to view all the movies that they have. So you fill it out, you know, you give your credit card, you'll get an email with a link uh, to a Vimeo page. It has all the films there. We're number 17 on that list. You can click us, watch us, and check out the other films uh, as well. Uh, you know, ones that are of interest. There's, uh, there's some really good ones, um, you know, uh, that, that just even from the description, they caught my eye. I was like, oh, let me check this out, right? So I to encourage you to do that. And also, there's a voting component, right? So, not only is this an opportunity to, to see a Bogota trip, it's also an opportunity for you to be able to vote on it so that way it can win an award, which would be nice, right? So, you know, when you, when you go to tinyurl.com slash Bogotatripmovie, fill out the checkout page, you'll get that email, it'll have all that information of how to watch, how to vote. Um, but remember, it's a limited time, only till October 2nd so you know if you want to see this this is your opportunity anywhere in the world you can see this right here right now so go to it Uh, but that's what I have for you Um, thank you so much as always I truly appreciate you You you're welcome to ask any questions or uh, or comments that you have write them down below or hit me up on social media at phil and if you appreciate what I do and think you might benefit from direct interaction well there's my coaching right so that's linked to in the description um, and we can work that way or if you just kind of want to dip your toe in first see what it's all about that's what my patreon page is for patreon.com slash phil there's various tiers of support with uh, various rewards so check that out and as i made mention um, i put out many projects into the universe books movies merchandise so That is also linked to down in the description. Supporting that stuff helps support this because by it being self-sustaining, I get to create more of it, learn, and share those lessons freely here with you. And also, I hope you just, the sheer aspect of it, just enjoy in and of itself, right? So anyway, I have you after your ear off. Uh, Thank you, and I have to see you next time.